You'd remain standing and turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, we'll be starting at verse 11 this morning and going through 27. Luke 19, verses 11 through 27. Hear now the word of the Lord. As they heard these things, he proceeded to tell them a parable. Because he was near to Jerusalem, and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. He said, therefore, a nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. Calling ten of his servants, he gave them ten ten minas and said to them, Engage in business until I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, We do not want this man to reign over us. When he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that he might know what they had gained by doing business. The first came before him, saying, Lord, your mina has made ten minas more. And he said to him, Well done, good servant. Because you have been faithful in very little, you shall have authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Lord, your mina has made five minas. And he said to him, And you are to be over five cities. Then another came, saying, Lord, here is your mina, which I kept which I kept laid away in a handkerchief. For I was afraid of you, because you were a severe man. You take what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. He said to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servants. You knew that I was a severe man taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank, and at my coming I might have collected it with interest? He said to those who stood by, Take the mina from him and give it to the one who has the ten minas. And they said to him, Lord, he has ten minas. I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. But as for these enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord stands forever. You may be seated. And as you do, please pray with me. Heavenly Father, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be pleasing and honoring in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And it's in Jesus' name alone that we pray. Amen. Now, as we read through this passage this morning, uh, this is a very involved passage. (laughs) There is a lot that we can draw out of this. Um, A lot of questions that are raised, uh, a lot of nuances to this passage. Um, uh, Honestly, partly for the sake of time, we're going to focus on one this morning. And that is the fact that God has called us to be faithful stewards of His kingdom while He is away. Um, What we'll be looking at this morning is that because the kingdom will not 
come immediately, we should invest the gift that God has given us with patient endurance. Uh, This is a a familiar parable. Uh, It's nuanced a little differently here in in Luke. Uh, We are also familiar with a parable called the parable of the talents, uh, that with very familiar language, very similar to this. Um, But this has a slightly different nuance to it that we're going to draw out this morning. Recently, one of the books that we read, uh, actually we listened to as a family, it was a book on tape, was a book called Hatchet by Gary Paulson. Uh, It was a book that I remembered reading when I was young, I think in middle school. Um, uh, It's a great book for for young boys, uh, although our daughters enjoyed it as well. Uh, The storyline goes like this, Um, a boy, uh, a young boy has two parents who um, just uh, are struggling through a divorce situation, and he is going from his mother's house to visit his father who lives in uh, Canada somewhere. And his mother puts him on a small plane, and he is heading up to Canada. Uh, While he is in this plane with the pilot, it's just the two of them, the pilot suffers a heart attack and the pilot uh, dies in the pilot seat. Um, I won't try to give too much of the storyline away, uh, but what happens is this boy Brian has to fly the plane, and uh, it's one of those planes that can land on water. And so for a while he glides, but eventually he's going to have to put it down, and he finds a lake, and uh, he crashes, in a sense, into the water there. He survives, and all he has to survive with is a hatchet that he... I think he was given by his mother. I think that's how the story goes. So he is stranded in, uh, on a lake in Canada in the wilderness with nothing but a hatchet. Um, he realizes very quickly that no one is around and there is no chance uh, for someone to come quickly to help him. In fact, no one knows where he is. He realizes quickly he needs to get food and shelter, and he uses the resources around him so that he can survive and hopefully survive long enough where he can be rescued. Uh, I won't give away the end. Uh, It does end well for Brian, and it is very exciting. Uh, If you want to know the ending, you can get Hatchet. It's a very good story. Uh, But Brian finds himself in a very unexpected situation Uh, having to use whatever means necessary to survive until someone comes and rescues him. Like Brian, the disciples were thrust into a situation that they did not anticipate. Jesus tries to warn them in this passage this morning, and Jesus tries to prepare them as much as possible for this scenario. So here's where we're going to go this morning in the time that we have been given. Um, first of all, uh, Jesus came here to earth. We're going to be celebrating that over the next couple of weeks as we celebrate Advent. It starts next Sunday. Um, And we're going to be looking at uh, the question, who is Jesus? We're going to be looking at different aspects of the titles of Jesus and his nature and just determining who is this Jesus And one of the things is, is that he is Emmanuel. He is God with us. He has come to earth. Uh, Jesus came and he accomplished his mission. He died on the cross. He rose again three days later and he ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of God. 
He is ruling and reigning and He is interceding for us. And one day we know He will return in full glory to usher in the kingdom of God. At that time, His full glory is going to be revealed. Everything that was uh, undone in the garden will be made whole again. And it is going to be incredible. Um, But here we are between Jesus' first coming and between His second coming. We are living in a time that is, in a sense, between the times. Uh, A time that the disciples didn't really anticipate. They didn't really uh, know that this was going to be the case when their Messiah came. And so Jesus has a message for His disciples that because the kingdom will not come immediately, He is calling them to invest the gift of God uh, for the advancement of the kingdom. And this is the same message for us uh, this morning. So here's the scenario. As the disciples are going with Jesus, uh, they've left Jericho where we uh, met with the blind man. We saw Zacchaeus uh, and his encounter with Jesus. And they're making the short trek from Jericho up to Jerusalem. And if you know anything about Jerusalem, Jerusalem is the capital. It's the capital of Judea. It is the city of David. It is the city of kings. This is the place where if a person was going to uh, establish a kingdom, this is the place where they would go. They would gather their core group around them, and they would head up to Jerusalem. And so the disciples are starting to get excited. They're thinking, is this it? Is this what we've been waiting for for three years? That Jesus is going to usher into his kingdom here as we go up to Jerusalem. Um, Jesus, knowing their hearts, is knowing and understanding what they are thinking. And so he wants them to understand what is about to happen. In a sense, he wants to prepare them for what is to come because their bubble is about to be burst very dramatically. Because instead of setting up his kingdom like they desire, Jesus is going to Jerusalem to die. Very drastically different from what the disciples may be anticipating. Uh, We try to do this with our children uh, in certain situations. We try to help them anticipate what is to come. It doesn't always work perfectly. But say we're getting home late uh, one night because we're out. And uh, usually what we do is we read books before bed. Uh, We we say our prayers. And uh, it takes, I don't know, anywhere from 45 minutes to a half an hour. Uh, on a good night. And so usually when we get home late, we say, listen, kids, as we pull into the driveway, we'll say, listen, this is what's about to happen. We're going to go inside, we're going to put on our jammies, we're going to brush our teeth, and we're going to go to bed. We don't have time for books or songs tonight. I'm sorry. And usually it's, uh, okay, we understand. But when it comes down to it, (laughs) it's, oh, where's our story? (laughs) Um, we try to help them anticipate what is about to come. Um, Jesus is doing that with his disciples here. The kingdom is not going to come quickly, at least not in the way that they anticipate. So he tells them this story, uh, this parable that is very familiar uh, in various gospels. A nobleman goes away to a far country. He goes to receive a kingdom. And while he's away, he gives gifts to his servants Uh, His servants either invest it 
or they hoard it. And when he comes back, having received his kingdom, he takes note of what the servants have done. Those who have invested well, uh, he rewards them. Those who have not receive punishment. Jesus obviously is our nobleman in this parable who goes to heaven to receive his kingdom that his father has promised to him, and he will return at some point with his kingdom. But during his absence, he has entrusted his estate to his servants. And this was something that the disciples did not anticipate. He has entrusted his servants with investing his kingdom. So when Christ comes, when he returns, he will come in triumph, And he will come in judgment, rewarding those who are good stewards of the kingdom and punishing those who are not. Usually a good Reformed Presbyterian sermon has three points. Well, we're just going to look at one this morning because I think it's a very important point for us this morning. Um, So for the disciples, something was about to happen that they didn't anticipate. Jesus inaugurated the kingdom when he first came that he was going to consummate that kingdom when he came again at the end of the age. So there's going to be this long period of time. I have a professor in seminary who referred to it as the continuation. So Jesus came to inaugurate the kingdom. We are in the continuation. And at the end, Christ will consummate that kingdom. So what Jesus is saying to his disciples is this. So before you get all excited... Before you get all ahead of yourselves, know this. The kingdom is not going to appear all at once. Instead, I'm going to leave and you are going to be used by God in ways that you cannot possibly imagine to spread the gospel until I return. So what it meant for the disciples was this. That Jesus was going to die in Jerusalem, not reign as their earthly king. After he died, he was going to be resurrected. He was going to be taken up into heaven. And when he did, he was going to send the Holy Spirit to equip them as faithful servants. In a sense, what Jesus was going to be doing was handing over the reins to his disciples. This was the reason why he was with them for three years. To train them so that they would understand uh, the gospel so that they would be with Jesus, and that after Jesus went up to heaven, that they would be sent out. That they were going to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And so this is what some of the disciples did. Uh, As we know, Matthew, one of his disciples, wrote a gospel. But Matthew also went on to be martyred in Ethiopia. Peter obviously spread the gospel starting in Jerusalem, and after his vision of the sheet with the clean and unclean animals on it, realized that the gospel wasn't just for the Jews, and started going to the Gentiles as well, and Peter was martyred for his faith. Uh, John went on to preach in Ephesus, pastored a church there, wrote several New Testament books, eventually was arrested, and he was one that actually lived to an old age. Uh, He wrote the book of uh, Revelation from the island of Patmos, uh, most likely when he was an old man at that point. Thomas, remember the one that we call Doubting Thomas? 
Um, he went on to be a great evangelist. He went east to Syria, and he may have made it even all the way to India uh, before he was martyred for the faith. These were things that the disciples did not anticipate as they were heading to Jerusalem. I'm sure uh, Thomas did not think, oh, well, you know what, in a few years, I'm going to be off in Syria, maybe even to India, sharing about a Savior who died and was resurrected. But those were God's plans for him. So what does it mean for us today, uh, during this time between Christ's first coming and his second coming? Is the same things true for us as disciples 2,000 years uh, after Jesus uh, gave this commission to his disciples? And the answer is yes. Uh, Jesus has equipped each and every one of us for faithful service in his kingdom. The gift that he has given us is his Holy Spirit, and it is the good news of the gospel, how the gospel has worked in our lives. Um, what I uh, appreciate about this story of the ten minas is that when this nobleman gathers his servants to himself, he gives them each the same. He gives them each a mina. And the way that that translates to us is that we have each been given the gospel. We have been given the good news of Jesus Christ. How Christ has rescued us from our sins and redeemed us by his blood. We have all received that to the same degree. How that plays itself out in our lives uh, may be to varying degrees. One of the servants here invested that and obviously received ten minas in return. Uh, one received five. But notice Jesus didn't say that the one who received the ten um, was, uh, was better in a sense. Yes, he received blessings. He certainly did. Um, but the one who also invested and got five was blessed by our Savior as well. So here is where the rubber meets the road for us this morning. So what does this mean for us? What kind of faithful service is God calling us to as servants in his kingdom? Well, as I've mentioned already, we all have the gospel. And all of us have been placed very strategically by God in the places where we are. Thomas went to Syria. Matthew went to Ethiopia. We have been led here to Sherwood, to North Little Rock, to Lone Oak, to McRae, uh, to Little Rock, uh, to Mablevale, to Jacksonville, uh, to everywhere in between. God has very strategically placed us as his servants in his kingdom. He has placed us not only geographically, but also in various positions as doctors and lawyers, as husbands and wives, as, uh, as mothers and fathers, as teachers, as engineers, as students. He is using us in the places where he has called us as his faithful servants. He has given us each the good news of the gospel. So the question for us this morning is, what perspective do we have on our lives right now as we're living between the times? Do you believe that God has placed you in the exact position where you are to be his servant 
investing the mina of the gospel that he has given to each and every one of us into the lives of the people around you. God has placed you in your position so that the good news of Jesus can be fully displayed in you. Does your character in your workplace reflect the gospel? How do you handle conflict that you have with coworkers? Uh, how do you handle failure? How do you handle criticism? How do you handle success? Do the people that witness you on a daily basis see the gospel in you? What are you doing right now in the places where you have been called? Because where you have been called matters. One of the things that we often get confused of is this uh, difference of roles in God's kingdom and thinking that some people are called to more special roles than others. Uh, we have, um, I know this is Steve's, um, Steve's soapbox, and I appreciate that about him, that there's, there's this different callings, but uh, an equal calling to the gospel. Uh, some people look at pastors or missionaries as a special calling. Um, but what is frustrating to me sometimes is that I don't have opportunities as much as my wife does. She has opportunities at working in the ER just one day a week to, to rub shoulders with people who need the gospel desperately. And he has placed her in that position very strategically so that she can share the gospel with coworkers and with people who come into the ER. That's what God's doing with each and every one of us. He's placing us in schools, in workplaces, in office environments. He's placing us in families so that we can be used by him to invest this mina of the gospel until he returns. God's using us, and it's amazing to know that he would use us. There's a lot that we can get into in, this chat, uh, in these verses about what Jesus is saying here. Uh, one of the things I want to address just briefly, you know, it says that Jesus gives rewards to these people. He gives one rule over ten cities. He gives another over five. Um, what does this mean exactly, this concept of rewards? Um, we mentioned it briefly a couple of weeks ago. I think J.C. Ryle has a great quote here. Uh, I don't understand fully what it means that we will receive wards in heaven. Um, but J.C. Ryle puts it this way. He says, our title to heaven is all of grace. And that's the same for all of us. But our degree of glory in heaven will be proportional to our work. I have no idea what that looks like. If some are going to get bigger mansions or be in charge of more cities, I don't even know what that looks like in heaven. Um, but each of us, according to grace, have the same title to heaven uh, because of what Christ has done. So as we wrap up this morning, what, what does this mean for us? Uh, we just need to be reminded of the gospel once again this morning, as we do every week. Christ has come, and he has accomplished salvation. Without this, our whole conversation this morning is a moot point. But Jesus has redeemed us as sinners through his death on the cross. And through faith in Christ, we are his servants. We have been equipped by the Holy Spirit as servants in his kingdom to be used by him to spread this good news of the kingdom. 
And we know that Christ has received the kingdom. This nobleman goes away to receive the kingdom. We know that Christ has received it. He is in heaven as we speak. He is ruling and reigning. The kingdom is his. And we know that Christ, our king, will return. His enemies will be defeated, and he will rule in his kingdom forever. So until that day, it is our joy and our privilege to be faithful stewards in his kingdom, fulfilling our task here of investing the mina of the gospel that God has given to us. Let us pray. Our most gracious God and our Father in heaven, we give thanks to you, our God and King, because of your Son, Jesus Christ, who has come and accomplished his mission here on earth to redeem us, to reconcile us back to you through his death and through his resurrection. We are thankful that we have a king who is ruling and reigning on his throne. And we are thankful that we know that he will come again. I pray, Lord, that you would use us by the power of your Holy Spirit in the places where you have called us to be faithful stewards and servants in your kingdom. Use us for your glory. Use us to display the gospel so that we might bring glory and honor to your name. Lord, we thank you for your amazing grace that has saved wretches like us. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.